0: Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now.
3: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm taking your calls and your questions today. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number. And if you want to text me, you can text me directly at three or 720 Three three six zero eight nine seven, and this is the show where we take your calls and questions. We uh, answer them uh, as the Lord would allow us. We talk about things, opening the Bible together, and just basically praying and being the body of Christ over the airwaves. And we get to hear us on the Grace FM radio network from Cheyenne, Wyoming, down into uh, Pueblo. Uh, you know, probably the Pueblo West border in that area. On uh, you up into Nebraska, some areas of Nebraska, east on the plains, uh, all up and down the front range, of course, around the world on gracefm.com or our free app that you can get in any app store. And we're also carried on the Hope FM radio network, the Truth FM radio network, and other low-power FM stations around the country, which we're very grateful. So if you're listening to me right now, give me a call, 303-690-3000, And we'll answer your call anywhere other than Grace FM. You're going to hear this program one week delayed, which is kind of cool. Because number one, you can call during the program. And number two, you can get the answer on the air on the phone while we're talking. And then the following week, you can tune in and hear it. Hear it in Colorado. We are live. So if you're listening right now, it is live. I'd love to hear from you. 303-690-3000. I've been pretty busy uh, with doing interviews and conversations about my book, God's Help for the Troubled Heart. I want to encourage you to get a copy. All the proceeds <clears throat> go for missions, our missionaries. We have many missionaries here. Uh, and what we all the proceeds, so all the net proceeds for God's Help for the Troubled Heart goes right back into our missionaries at the end of the year. Uh, so you'll not only be encouraged— You'll not only be strengthened um, by reading the book and being reminded of the graciousness of God, but you'll also be helping missionaries. You can get it here, calvaryco.store. CalvaryCO, that stands for Colorado, calvaryco.store. And that is now our bookstore and our apparel, uh, basically our Calvary swag, is now online. And of course, if you're near the church, you don't have to pay for shipping. You can just click, I'll pick it up at the church, uh, and you can get it there, or you can have it shipped to you. Uh, We have a team of people that uh, are fulfilling those orders, both through Abounding Grace and here. And so wherever you are in the country, the book, uh, God's Help for the Troubled Heart, is a book that we've been working on for years. Uh, It is a book, unfortunately, born out of deep grief uh, after the death of my son, Eddie, uh, at the age of 26 in back in 2013 and it was written, uh, in, in the process, which I think we all are that grieve in the process of healing. And that's, that is a process. Uh, it, it doesn't happen overnight. Uh, it takes time. And, and so we waited a few years, the the darkness started to lift and then, uh, I, I, developed a series of Bible studies that I could just sense that what God had awakened in my heart, and again, I'm, call, I'm I'm waiting for your call, so give go ahead and call in 303-690-3000. But what had awakened in my heart as a pastor teacher <clears throat> through my own pain and the difficulties uh, ongoing that surround the death of my son was there's a lot of pain uh, in our church and a lot of pain for the precious, wonderful people I get to be connected to through technology, so I developed a series of Bible studies that I titled back then, Help for the Troubled Heart, or Hope for the Troubled Heart, I forget which, and I taught those studies to our church, I took some of them around the country as I was teaching at conferences and other churches, and, and then between, I forget exactly, <clears throat> there's a discussion with my assistant, uh, Cassandra, who is just a, a blessing to me, to my family, to our church, her and her husband, Jason. And we discussed putting it together in a book and we, you know, that's a pretty involved process besides the fact that we're overseeing a church, besides the fact that we have daily ministry and daily issues and trials, you know, all of that. So we hired an editor and we we went through all the work. We took those Bible studies and translated them into written form uh, in a more readable way. and And so that's what the book is. It is a book, and I, I just did an interview with my friend, Gino Geraci, uh, over on the other station here in Denver, Caracas, and he he really went down a path of questions I thought were really good, and one of the observations that he made, you know, because you're in it all the time, you're reading all the time, you know, kind of like proofreading, right? Have you ever done this, where you're proofreading, and you proofreading, and you've read it so much that you missed 10 things just because you've seen it, and you're kind of reading it the way you want it to be read or sound and so we got to a point where we're just reading this book the way it is and and i i was very i I am very happy with it but gino as he was reading it fresh pastor gino uh, was reading it fresh he made the observation that on every page there's another um another encouragement to keep your eyes on the lord to keep your eyes on the lord to keep your eyes on the lord that help comes from the lord comfort comes to the lord and he spawned he hit it he I mean, he He hit it on the head, that was the intent of the book uh It's not my life story it's not any anything like that. Um, my life story is not powerful. uh what's powerful is God's story through my life and through your life <clears throat> and i'm I'm very, very happy with the way it came out. All that to say, please get the book, buy a copy for yourself, get one for a friend uh It's called God's Help for the Troubled Heart. I know it will bless you. I know it will encourage you. And you can order a copy on our website, calvaryco.store, and that is from our church. That belongs to our church, it's nonprofit, non uh, and all the proceeds go to the church, through the church, and out to our missionaries. And you could pray with us, we're praying about picking up six more missionaries, because what God has spoken to our heart is through COVID, we need to go press in harder, not backwards, we need to go forward. Forward, 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 not backwards. So we're praying about, and I I need to find the list because we're praying about, I don't have them all memorized, but Mexico, um, Tijuana, Mexico is one of them. Um, Myanmar is another one. Uh, Let me see if I can remember. Um, Romania is another one. Uh, Texas. (laughs) Texas is another one, church plants, uh, because we have a passion for that. So at any rate, 303-690-3000. Let's go over to greenwood village now david is calling here in colorado david welcome to the program
2: hey thanks for having me pastor you're welcome um i just had a quick question about a canvas i recently bought and i and i hung it up in my dining room it's a it's a big canvas um it's i think it's 30 by 60 so it's a really big canvas and um it's just a picture of maybe what Jesus is believed to look like, and I like the artistic value um it's 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 a face and it's um, got a you know a crown of thorns on it and yes it reminds it reminds me of his sacrifice you know um and yes. I like the way visually it looks um when i when I got the package though and I opened it up. Um, I just started second guessing that I wanted it. I don't know what what came over me, but I was like, I don't know if I really want this. And um, I started thinking about maybe it could be like a graven image. And then I saw something recently that you know God never—the uh, only really image of God was was Jesus—and um, you know any other image could distort my my view of God. So I. So I uh, just wanted to know if I should—I mean, I don't ever see any pastors or anybody else. I now have a giant, <laughs> <a> giant canvas <laughs> of—so uh, I was like, I don't know if I should have this. <clears throat> I don't know. I just wanted to see if there's any other perspective
3: okay. about it. So I'll give you a couple things. First of all, we go back to the um, Book of Exodus, uh, was what what is drawing the concern, where the children of Israel will be given direction— Uh, for coming out of Egypt into the promised land to a new, fresh relationship with God. And the Bible says in Exodus 20, verse 4, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath, or that's in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them. You shall not serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations, to those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. And I do believe that this is a prohibition, uh, a, an eternal prohibition of replacing the uh, glory and righteousness and holiness of God with an image. And you can do that, and I can do that. <clears throat> what I don't believe this is a prohibition of is having a painting or even in imagination. Think of this. Think of it this way. Ha, have you ever, in your mind, imagined what Jesus might have looked like?
2: Yeah, yeah, um, <clears throat> a little bit. I, I usually just imagine a beam of light. <laughs> but yeah, and no, but I that's get fine. That. Yeah, <laughs>
3: yes, that's that. That would be the emanation coming. I mean, that would be. That would be a biblical imagination because at the transfiguration, he was shone so brightly that it was white, you know, whiter than snow. It was bright and white. So that that even in and of of itself and being around the throne room are light. So that being said, Mm -hmm. I think that the emphasis that God is trying to make here uh, goes along with the commandment just prior to that. You shall have no other gods before me. Now you could read that and say, okay, then I guess I can have gods after you. Um, but that's not the point. The point is you should have no other gods. There, there is a supreme worship, and in the carved image and the likeness of anything in heaven above or or the earth beneath is <clears throat> is a is is connected to your soul worship of God. So that if the image, uh, an image or the image becomes a, a ob- object of worship, uh, becomes an g- object of that, that becomes the object that you uh, replace God with, that's forbidden. Um, that, that is something that is not, that, that's not allowed. Um, even, even God instructed images of, of angels to be put on the Ark of the Covenant. Um, so we know that it's the purpose behind the image that is very important. And so they don't want, he doesn't want any carved image trying to figure out something that would take the place of, the, of their worship of God in his purity and his holiness. That being said, there is a lot of sensitivity, like you're feeling right now, about having an image that represents Jesus, because we don't know what he looked like, and we don't have photographs, and we don't have descriptions, and um, we only have intimations, you know, that he was a Jewish man. Uh, that he looked like other Jews. He, lo- he was a normal-looking Jewish man because when they came looking for him in the garden, he had to be pointed out uh, so that, that he, he blended in with the people. There wasn't a glow about him or like his complexion wasn't, um, wasn't different than everyone else. And so um, in that sensitivity, that's something now on a personal level that you, you want to be careful of because if it's a sin to you, then you can't do it. And if, if it becomes something that stumbles you or pricks your conscience, then you have to go. You have to let it go. And for me personally, I don't really like most representations of Jesus. And I don't really like um, uh, you know to have pictures of Jesus around me. And Except that I found one that I have put in the office and I do like. Uh, and it's a picture of it's an it's a it's a artist rendition of of what it would have looked like for Peter sinking under the water, looking up out of the water at Jesus reaching down to pick him up. And yeah, and I don't worship it. Uh, you know, it's just a great reminder that man, when you're sinking, uh, the truth of God's word is that He will rescue you. Uh, very similar to He rescued Peter, so. I don't believe the prohibition is artistry uh I don't believe the prohibition is this uh, an artistic rendition of a glorious um of a glorious scene of the scriptures um but I know it can cross the line especially in some people's hearts that um that image now becomes the very thing that's being uh worshiped like even relics and things but you know the in the mid century when there, when people couldn't read um, those the those in church leadership uh, began to to communicate to the people through pictures uh, because they can interpret pictures and not all the pictures were accurate. Um, but but what what is what do people do with that? So what did they start doing? The people started worshiping what we know as relics. Now they worship images, they worship pictures, they worship statues, they worship places. And that absolutely is prohibited, and I think that's what's being spoken of in Exodus twenty.
2: Right. Yeah, I definitely uh, I'm not going to be worshipping the canvas if by any means, so that I'm settled with that and even if yep. I wanted to send it back they're charging me like hundred and something, 200 bucks almost for shipping <laughs> so I was like, uh, I'm going to hang it up but then I, when I hung it up it's just so big, it's weird it's, it's big, it's, it's cool, but um, that makes a lot of sense in terms of um, I can have uh, a piece about it, but um, yeah, I'll just I'll keep it up for a little bit and see it. All right, goes. <laughs> so know, let me without, add without let me add else. one more
3: <laughs> let me add one more piece to that with your follow up. You know, you, you said you're starting to measure this question by by a piece that you probably should just dismiss, and that is if they charged you a thousand dollars and the Holy Spirit told you to send it back, it's worth the thousand dollars. Yeah. And and so as you're thinking through, I know I know it's a lot of money, and I know it probably costs a lot of money. But but as you don't don't allow don't allow personal cost to interrupt your obedience of God. As a matter of fact, personal cost is part of obedience. So that if you do end up having a conviction about sending it back, pay the money and move on.
2: Okay. All
3: right. righty? That's great. God bless you, brother.
2: Right. Thanks, for that, Chris. God bless you. Thank okay.
3: you. Okay. Bye, bye. 303 is the number right before we went on the line with David. I want to remind you pick up a copy of God's Help for the Troubled Heart. Uh, it's available on our uh, church stores, calvaryco.store. Calvaryco.store. If you're here locally, uh, you can always ask. You, there's a little button to click. You can pick it up and save on the shipping. Um, but I mean, even so, everything, we, there's no markup. Like we just do what we got to do. Um, and we're we're not making we're not making money on shipping or anything um, and any of the net proceeds there is a there is an increase on the book itself, but the net proceeds go all the way to missions. so not only will you be encouraged not only you bless someone giving a gift, but you'll support missions and it is the feedback of the book keeps coming back uh very very positively um I am uh encouraged I'm encouraged let me read to you one. Uh, some excerpts of uh, what somebody wrote uh, in, a, <clears throat> in a review recently. Um, uh, it says, I don't have enough words to describe the kind of blessing that one can find through reading this book. It's, this, is, this is a very articulate person. It's like a consoling breeze, gentle and kind, reminding you that there's still hope, and no matter how difficult it may be for now, you must never let go of your faith. I mean it's I'm I'm always encouraged to, to, to read how people respond uh and how they're grow closer uh to the Lord. Uh it says reading this book filled with relevant Bible verses, I was able to re encounter the many Bible characters I thought I knew before. I was able to relate to them better, seeing myself through their difficult experiences. Man, that's a uh, pretty good. Um it's I'm I'm humbled. And I want you to be encouraged. So get a copy. It's on at calvaryco.store, dot store. dot store. Arvada, Colorado. Jarrett, welcome to the program.
2: Hey. Hey, Jarrett. Yeah, thank you for having me.
3: You're welcome. What's up, man?
2: Hey. Um. So uh, my question is centered around. Um. It's centered around being born again. I actually am okay. a born again Christian as uh, about a month and a half ago. Okay. Um, and yeah, I wanted to ask a question in regards to, um, like I hear from other people that it's supposed to be an instantaneous thing and, or a moment being born again. And then, um, yeah, I'm not, re- I didn't really experience it in that way. And so I was okay. seeing if you could shed some light, no like, pun intended on that.
1: <laughs> <Matt. laughs>
3: So, so it's great, you know, and I think it's a great question, and you're at a perfect place in your relationship with God to explore that thought. Now, there are some real technical Bible descriptions of what I'm about to say. I'll give those to you later, uh, and and you'll see that the Bible specifically directly answers your question. Uh, but to get there, I want to I want to remind you that the phrase you used is the phrase that Jesus used to describe a person. That that is given new spiritual life, and that's the phrase born again. And he, that phrase comes to us when Jesus was talking to a very religious man by the name of Nicodemus. And Nicodemus understood the phrase for what it meant, but came to the wrong conclusion, right? Because in, it, this is all found in the Gospel of John, chapter 3. And Nicodemus says, that doesn't make any sense. How can I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? I mean, he took it extremely literally. But the, the reality of what Jesus was teaching is he was saying there is a physical birth and they, there is a spiritual birth, and they're both very similar. The 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 comparison is very similar. So let's think of a physical birth. A physical birth happens in a moment, and maturity happens over time, Right? So it, it there is so the the salvation experience with God is both a moment it happens instantaneously instantaneously and it continues over time. And many people yeah. do get confused or they get um they wonder because at the moment that they express their faith in God nothing happened if you will. They didn't feel anything, they didn't see anything and maybe didn't even recognize any major change now some people have dramatic change but some people don't have dramatic change in the moment but when you begin to look at the extent of their life you start to see things change in your life you have new desires new thoughts you leave bad behavior behind you begin to develop like anything any relationship takes time and testing so through time the outgrowth of a born again experience which is instantly it happens one time in a milli, milli, millisecond, mm-hmm. but from going forward from that moment, you're growing up. You're like you go from stages just like a human being. You're a baby. You kind of feel like a baby. You know, you stumble along. You can't walk. You don't know what to say. You don't even know how to talk. It has a whole new family you're in. But then that baby starts to crawl, and then that baby starts to stand. Then that baby starts to walk. Then that baby grows up and starts to jog and run. And before you know it. That baby be, is is full grown, and even in even in that full grown experience, there's there's the aging process, and being born again is very similar. And here's the Bible words if you want to write them down, and yeah, um, okay. you can actually go on our app and you can. I taught these things very specifically, and so you can look for them on my on our app. So the the word that describes your born again experience, the doctrinal technical word is justification. <clears throat> Justification. That happens in an instant. And the and to help you remember what that word means, it, it means in the moment you were born again, you God begins to see you now just as if you never sinned. You were justified. You know how you feel you know how you feel justified in your position or you have an opinion and you feel justified? It's in the moment. You believe it and you feel like you should believe it. Um it's a very similar word where you have a right standing before God, and you can take it. You're standing there, and you've been justified. Mm. Are, you, are you with me so far?
2: Yeah, I am following. yeah.
3: Okay, so then from justification, that happens in a moment, the very next moment starts a process. And that process, the technical, doctrinal, theological word for that, is sanctification. Sanctification. Mm. And what that describes, the word sanctify... Or it, it literally means to be set apart. It, it, it's the same kind of word that we would use to describe holiness. Holiness simply means to be set apart for a specific use. Like for example, you might eat, uh, I'll use for us. In our house, we use these plastic plates uh, when we eat. Sometimes we eat on paper towels. Um, but if we have guests over, we have nicer plates uh, that we would use for guests. Um, We don't care ourselves. You know, when I grew up, we lived, we, we ate on paper plates all the time, but when guests came over, my mom brought out the good plates Um, and those good plates would be set apart for a special use. They didn't get used all the time. They were set apart for a special use. So sanctification, your whole life now is set apart for a special use and little by little, sometimes a lot at a time, sometimes a little at a time. Your life is being changed and conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And you should see progress in your relationship with God. You should see growth. You should see maturity. So in answer to your question, it ha- yes, it happens instantly, but also happens over time. And those two things are described all over the Bible, but that's a general basic uh, instruction.
2: Thank you, sir. That was beautiful. I really appreciated it. And um, yeah, I know that really supported me and uh, seeing feeling that it's not just, uh, you know, change doesn't change doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> you know,
3: it doesn't. And, you know, and that's an, I'm glad that you mentioned that because part of the process is failure and part of the process is doing stupid things again. As a matter of fact, there may be that, you know, people, especially alcohol and drugs there may be people yeah. that have been delivered from alcohol for X amount of time and then they have they go off on a bender, they get sad, they 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 make a mistake and they, then they start saying, "Well, maybe I was never saved to begin with." But here's the thing. If you weren't saved, you wouldn't feel what you're feeling because there's another Bible right. word for that. It's called conviction. And so the fact that you a person's even considering that and battling now and wrestling with sin is actually more evidence that a person's born again yeah. now that you hate it yeah, I mean, and you don't want to participate in, it and you f- start to feel guilty about it and you don't want to ever do it again. Those are evidences of actually a saved person, not an unsaved person. Cause an unsaved person really doesn't care.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much.
3: I appreciate okay, it, brother. God bless you, man. Bye bye. Bye bye. 303-690-3000 is the number, man. What's such a great question that that's, I know the Bible can be daunting. I know it can be challenging. But that's why as a new believer, uh, or if you've been a believer for a while and you've never done a new believer Bible study, email me. Send me an email, ed at edtaylor.org. And I will respond to that email with links for you to do a study on your own new believer Bible study. And a lot of people don't want to even, they don't want to do it. Oh, I've been saved 30 years. But do you really know the fundamentals of the faith? Do you really understand, even in a basic way, what the process of born again is? It's an event and time, maturity, sanctification. I have two tools that I want to send to you absolutely free. Um, that's what, They're tools we use here at Calvary. And, you know, they're all up on our website, but I've got the links for them. Send me an email, ed at edtaylor.org, and I will respond to that email with a bunch of links that will get you on the way. And we can help you in these first few steps of you following Jesus. Even if you've been saved forever, it's good to go back and look at them and be established in your faith. So you hear the music, half of the show's gone already. We'll be right back here on Grace FM and affiliated stations on Calvary Live.
0: Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now.
3: Welcome back, everyone, to the second half of today's program. I see the emails coming in. Uh, just so you guys that email, I'll let you let you know I see them. I will respond to them after the program. Uh, so email me, ed at edtaylor.org. Make sure it's .org. If you send it to .com, it will go to Santa Claus because there is literally a professional Santa Claus named Ed Taylor, and he owns the .com. I own the .org. And So email me, ed at edtaylor.org, uh, if and, and I will respond to that. We're talking uh, with such a great question about the process or what happens when you're born again. And we talked about justification and sanctification, and of course, it ends in glorification, which means we're going to be in the presence of Jesus for eternity. But the real part of the question is, man, I was born again, but I didn't feel anything, or I was born again. And here's the thing. We learn the answer to these questions from God's Word. So we want to lay before you this basic discipleship. And I've got two things in particular I want to send you um, an online Bible study and one that you can print out that you can do with others. You can print these. I think uh, I think we did the online one where you do it online and we interact with you. Uh, and uh, we'd love to interact with you. We'd love to serve you here at Calvary Church. Uh, so just email me and I'll respond with the links. Ed at edtaylor.org. And I'd love to serve you in that way. Uh, we are uh, reminding you that that my book is out and I want to put it into your hands uh, you can order your copy at Calvaryco.store. CalvaryCO.store. You guys that are on the East Coast, you may not know about it, but it just was released. It is still um hovering in the top 50 uh, books on grief in all of um in all of the uh Amazon list. Uh and you can get a copy through the nonprofit website calvaryco.store and Uh, If you're in the Denver area, you know, around Aurora, you can click the thing to pick it up and you can save on shipping and just pick it up here uh, as the offices are open during the week. But it's a book that I wrote um, as uh, a response to the pain uh, that that I went through, our church is going through. uh, And it just, I I share with the church not too long ago in a Bible, I'm just talking to them, uh, just thinking, man, I believe over the years in ministry, I do have a bent toward mercy and compassion and um, serving people. I love serving. I love ministry. I love, I love, I love it. And after the death of my son in uh, the deep grief in our family and the drama surrounding uh, my son, um, God opened a brand new channel of mercy in my life. And he opened my eyes to more pain, not less. It was one of the gifts. Um, You know, it's hard to look back and think of the death of your son as a gift, but it is one of the gifts uh, that God gave us to open our hearts and our eyes to the hurt and the pain in a more deeper way. Not a perfect way, of course, but in a deeper way. And, And as I was sensing, I'm going through it. My family's going through it, people that are close to us going through it, but so is our church, as they were hurting. You know, the Bible says when one part of the body hurts, the whole part of the, the whole body hurts, right? That's true. Like every part of the Bible is true, whether you experience it or not. And and then I developed these Bible studies, because that's how God uses me to teach the Bible, even on specific topics, uh, to our church. And I developed this series of Bible studies. Uh, on Help for the Troubled Heart, and uh, my assistant Cassandra and I uh, decided, let's put it into book form, and then we went through the process. I mean, it took years. Uh, we're not a professional book publishing house, but we got a lot of help and a lot of hard work, a lot of diligence, a lot of warfare. We got it done. Praise the Lord. We could put it in your hands. And the feedback on it has been a truly humbling and, and unbelievable, um, so much so uh, that I got word this week uh, that my pastor, uh, Jeff Johnson, is using uh, this book for the, <clears throat> he's using it for um, his radio program as uh, he wants He wants to put it into people's hands. I, I was just at Calvary Chapel in Downey uh, a couple weeks ago teaching. Uh, pastor Jeff invited me to come and teach and share. I have a message that I'm traveling with uh, surrounding pain and suffering with the book to get the book in people's hands. And and the, uh, the message ministered to him and his wife, which is pretty amazing. You know, I know the Lord's doing it, but to think that I walked into that room, and this is how I process it, and I know the Lord's doing this in your life too, so I share my testimony for you so you can be encouraged. But I walk into that room lost as lost can be. I'm born again through the ministry, uh, through that church. I serve in that church for eight years. Uh, I come into Colorado. I get to serve here, and then I, I'm invited back. I've, I've been in—I've had— the privilege of teaching in that pulpit many many times already but to come back now and pastor jeff says yes come uh, bring your book i want to present it to our church I, I i trust you with the flock and and then he sat through it of course you know yeah, it's always a challenging thing right to, to 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 teach uh people that you respect right you um obviously i i honor and respect my pastor and he's there teaching with he's there but you know he's just a man like you and me He's got his own trials and challenges that the Holy Spirit wanted to minister to him. And so it's not intimidating anymore. It's just humbling. The first time it was super intimidating because, you know, the fear of man. Um, But you just got to get through all that stuff. This time it wasn't intimidating. I was there as a representative of God, and my pastor needed to be encouraged along with his wife, and he was. And so all that to say, it's the book of the month on our radio program as well. And the proceeds, uh, the net proceeds all go to missions through our church. You can go to calvaryco.church. I think we have open lines, 303. Uh, we have all open lines, so 303 um, 690 I want to pray uh, for Matthew. He was on the line, but he dropped off. He want, we want to pray for Tara uh, or Tara, I'm not sure which way, uh, that's going through troubles in her life. So, God, we pray for Tara or Tara that's going through troubles in her life. Um, you know, as in when I think of that word, trouble, I think of uh, Jesus when you said in John 14... Let not your heart be troubled. And so just by that statement, you are ministering to us so that we know that we don't have to live with a troubled heart, even if it's moment by moment. So I pray for Tara, wherever she might be, and whatever her troubles might be, that you would meet her and that you would uh, remove the troubles and comfort her heart in Jesus' name amen and amen all right well give me a call 303-690-3000 I've got a lot to talk about one of the things that came up recently and it wasn't another radio interview I've been doing a lot of podcasts and a lot of radio interviews surrounding the book uh, and traveling around to churches um, sharing the word of God and encouraging people Uh, and one of the One of the things that came up was my personal blog. You know, I write on grief, and I write on ministry. Uh, It's two of my passions. And I wrote a blog post not too long ago, and I entitled it Five Things Not to Say to Your Grieving Friend. Five things not to say. Because when we're ministering to people that are in deep pain or deep grief, there is a natural... Uh, disconnect from the person because we're not going through what they're going through exactly as they're going through it. We may have experienced a similar uh, situation. We may experience a similar uh, type of grief, but it's always different for everyone. And it's uncomfortable. I, here, And here's what I said. C.S. Lewis in his book, A Grief Observed, commented on how relationships are made uncomfortable by grief. Conversations can turn awkward. Eye contact can be weird. Since death is an enemy it tends to do damage to those left behind. C.S. Lewis writes, and I quote, I see people as they approach me trying to make up their minds whether they'll say something about it, which was the loss of his wife, or not. I hate if they do, and I hate if they don't. So it's a normal part of the grieving process, this awkwardness. If you're the one who's lost a loved one, you'll feel it. And if you're the one that God has sent to encourage someone to comfort them, you'll feel it. And this is where sensitivity to the Holy Spirit is so critical, and what you choose to say can either help or hurt someone. I remember, um, as many people, there was just an overflow of love and care and concern after the death of our son, and uh, it was just overwhelming. I mean, there still is. Uh, so many people that love my family, um, and I love you too, and I appreciate that. Um, but but there was one person, um, and there's quite a few, but one that I remember that uh, came up to me after a s- s- church service and was truly wanting to express their uh, concern and comfort to to me. And they said, "I know exact something along these lines. I know exactly how you feel, Pastor. I'm so sorry you're hurting. I know exactly how you feel because my dog died last week. And while I know that the pain of losing a pet is a very serious one, uh, it doesn't. It, it the life of a pet is not equal to the life of a son." And but, and it was a hurtful comment, but the person was just expressing their, their, their concern. They weren't wanting to hurt me. Um, and the Lord just taught me, if, when you start hearing awkward things, they're awkward, you're awkward. When you start hearing those things, just remember um, that this person loves you, and they're trying to express that love. And they don't need to be corrected. They don't need to be, Hey, don't you know if my son is more important than your daughter? No, that's, that's not from the Lord. That's not peace and unity. And I, I appreciate that person wanting to express it, even though it expressed it in a very hard way. And I would always I would say now, am in a much stronger place. If that happened again, I would just say, please don't tell that to another grieving person. Um, it's not helpful. Um, even though you, you can express your pain of grief, because that's real, considering their pain of grief, but don't compare it to a dog uh, or a cat because it's not the same. And I can say that now. I couldn't say that back then. I was just overwhelmed, but I can now. So let me just give you the five things. Uh, You can go to my website, edtaylor.org, and this is posted up there, edtaylor.org. But here are the five things. Number one, don't say, I know exactly how you feel. Instead, say, I'm deeply sorry for the pain you're feeling. And then I explain that. Number two, don't say, how are you? Instead, say, how are you right now? because uh, I explain it. And then thirdly, I su- I suggest don't say you'll get over it. Instead, say, I'll pray for you regularly. And I explain that. Fourthly, I say I-, I suggest don't say God works all things together for the good for those who love him. Instead, say, Jesus loves you and he understands grief. And this is an important one because, you know, you're grasping for scriptures, you want to share scripture, but... Um, Timing is everything, and I explain that in the in the blog post. And then finally, number five, uh, don't say, you look pretty bad today, which is probably true, um, especially when you don't sleep and you cry all your tears out. But instead say, I love you and haven't forgotten you. And then you go through the rest of the post. Very, very good. I'm glad that uh, we revisited it. Um, Because it's very encouraging. So go to my website, edtaylor.org. The article is five things not to say to your grieving friend. And, you know, there's this um, reminder in my heart, in my life, to press in, to serve you, to love you, to care for you. Um, The the release of the book and the spiritual warfare surrounding it has just reminded me why God put me on the planet, why he wants to use me, um, why he... Has established Calvary Church here in Aurora to love you, remind you of God's love and His goodness in your life, uh, to remind you that you are loved and cared for, and and we're very grateful. The team that's assembled here is very grateful uh, to serve you, and of course we are a discipleship church. Uh, we are a church. We were talking about new believers on one of the calls. So if you're looking uh, to be established in your faith, we've got a couple things. Email me, ed, at edtaylor.org. And in that, uh, I'll respond to that email with some resources. Um, either way, you want new believer resources or you want grief resources, uh, email me, reference what you want, and I'll respond to the email with relevant links that will put you on the right path. Let's go back to the phone lines. Uh, coming here to Aurora, Colorado, Doug is on line one. Doug, welcome to the program.
4: Hey, Pastor Ed, how are you?
3: I'm doing well, Doug. How um, are you?
4: Good, good. Hey, I had a, a question, um, a statement, something about, I mean, my prayer life. Okay, hey, I uh, I find that there are times as as I go along in my prayer life that I I, I don't say anything. You know, it's yes. it's just enjoying it um I go to like like what I call the introduction, you know. Um, uh-huh. and 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 then then I'll just sit there and, and enjoy it. The silence without talking. Yes. And is that a is that a progression of prayer or uh, a normal, I guess? kind of thing?
3: I, I, I think it's normal. Uh, I think it's part of the conversation process. For example, while you were talking, I was silent. Uh, it's part of our conversation. It's part of our relationship, and I believe in the silence as you're enjoying the presence of God. You're enjoying uh, the, the sense of, of his love for you, and and at the same time, you're probably silent and even listening and open for the Holy Spirit to respond, to bring comfort, to be encouraged. Silence is probably a piece of prayer, uh, an element of prayer that we don't use enough in our lives. Okay.
4: Because more and more, um, over this past year, it's <laughs> I've been silent more and more. Yeah. And I, I just—it it was something I didn't want to give up, but I was—I was just wondering if, um, well, I don't know, the, is is, is it a prayer life like that? I guess I don't know without without. Sometimes I think I, you know, I ask too much and I don't say thank you enough. But
3: I believe that, I it, like any, like any conversation, silence is going to be a part of it, and. If you're feeling deficits in other areas, then go ahead and begin to spend some time in those areas. You know, if appreciation has been a deficit, spend some time on a prayer of appreciation. Uh, if uh, confession of sin has been one, if it uh, if the adoration of God has been a deficit, you can spend time on any because conversations are fluid. There's no real formula. You know, if if prayer becomes a formula, then I think we've missed the whole point of conversations with God.
4: Right, yeah, yeah, I think so too, okay, hey, thank you,
3: okay, great thanks bye bye three oh three six nine zero three thousand three oh three six nine zero three thousand is the number taking your calls and your questions uh what is the Lord doing, what does he want to do in our lives? so good, I love this show uh I love the um I love the opportunity to talk about the things uh, that God is doing. Let's go to Lynn in Highlands Ranch on line three. Lynn, welcome to the program.
1: Hi, thank you. My question is about, that. good to talk to you. It's in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 14. Okay. It says, okay. God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. But then later in verse 16 and 17, it says that, you know, when he comes, it says the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them. So how is if he's bringing them with him? Then how are how are they being caught up with us that are alive? How does that work? I I don't understand how he can bring them with him and yet he's bringing them out of you know calling them out of the the dead out of the grave.
3: Well, there's a couple ways to look at that. Um, the first way to look at that is to consider the. That we uh, that our theology you know here at Calvary is that prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ, there will be a rapture of the church. The believers will uh, rise up uh, from the earth to meet the Lord in the air to forever be with him and and that group, along with the group that have died in Christ prior to that, will be coming with him uh, and there is a little bit of debate on the resurrection body and the timing of that. Um, when when the resurrection bodies happen? Do you get it when you're absent from the body and present with the Lord? Do you get it at a separate time? How is the timing? And uh, I just received a, a question recently about cremation and what is God going to do about resurrecting bodies there? So setting that 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 discussion aside for a second, there will already be people with the Lord that will return with him and... There's an event that's going to take place where the dead in Christ will rise, uh, and an instantaneous, absolute, glorious thing is going to happen. One of the problems that we have, too, is that we think of things linearly in time, and so we think of things as events happening over and over again, because that's how God describes them to us, but the reality is, is that God's outside of time, so all these things are happening at once from His perspective, uh, and which is hard for us to grasp. But the reality is, is that there are already people with Jesus right now. They're going to come back with him. Um, that they are not in the grave waiting. They're not asleep in the grave. They are very much in the presence of Jesus Christ right now, and they will return with him.
1: Well, then, how does it say that the dead in Christ will rise first if they're already with him? That's, that's what I... Well, there's, a, there's a way it. of
3: interpreting that Greek that that is a statement that's already happened. The dead in Christ are already with him. And that instantaneous return, it's all happening at the same time, that that is a re- reference not of their physicality, but of the resurrection body being given to them.
1: Oh, okay. So So don't think Alex. of it.
3: Don't. So I think you have to start with this. Because the timing, I do understand the confusion with the timing, because uh, it is a challenging text. But don't think, if you separate the idea that that those that have died before us are just sitting in the to- in a tomb or underground or in a crypt somewhere waiting for Jesus to come and get them. That is not what's happening. They have left their bodies. They are no longer in their human bodies. They are in the presence of Jesus right now, enjoying Him, uh, basking in His glory, worshiping Him, whatever it is, uh, the great things that we're going to be doing when we're in His presence. Uh, and those those are... There are people with him right now as we as you and I are speaking. I mean I have loved ones there. I'm I'm probably certain that you do as well. Uh and they're with him right then, right then and there. And they're gonna return with him. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And like I said, the Greek could be translated, they already have, um, they're already there. Um, but there is a piece there. God, how does it work when when do we get our bodies? And that's one of those church debates that have a lot of different views and they all can kind of fit the text. Oh, Okay.
1: Oh, well, that makes sense. All right. Well, thank you very much. I You're welcome. That. Thanks for calling.
3: All right. Uh, Bye-bye. Thank you.
1: All right. Bye.
3: Yeah. It's, it's, the, there's enough in the Bible, isn't there, that, uh, we, uh, we just are able to bask in the glory, but there are those few things we say, wait a minute, what's the order and how does that work exactly? And, How is God going to do that? And I'm especially, you know, especially when it comes to timing. Um, I was listening this morning. Actually, I was listening to two uh, pastors. I was listening to uh, Pastor Skip Heitzig on the way to the airport, and then I was listening to Pastor Chuck Smith on the way back from the airport, dropping someone off today and uh, for a ministry trip. And both of them used a similar illustration of of a of a parade to describe the omniscience of God. And but they said it this way that I what caught my ear was the, um, in as you're sitting there watching the parade, and the float goes by you. If you want to see the past, you've got to go to the future, right? So you're from your vantage point in the parade, a float pumps by you. Somebody comes up and says, "Have you seen the float? Um, you know, from the city of." Denver, yeah, yeah, it passed by about five minutes ago. Do you want to see it? Yes. Well, the only way to see it is to go forward in the parade. If you want to see the past, you got to go forward. And then if you want to see the future, then you go backward. You go, well, what about the float from the city of Longmont? What about Longmont's float? Well, you know, that's going to come up three floats from now, uh, according to the program. So if we want to see the Longmont float, we've got to go backward in the in the parade, um procession in order to see the future. Um, you got to go past to see the future. You got a future to go to see the past. And you go, oh, man, that's that's mind-blowing. But if you were to get up above it like in a drone, if you were to get above the parade in a drone, you can see the whole thing from beginning to end. It's not past, present, or future. You see it all at the same time. All at the same time. Um, and so... Uh, I believe there's an element in Thessalonians where it says, for the Lord, and this is the passage, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Like there they have the those that have died already are there with him first. And that could be the order of the resurrection body, but they're already there. Then the rapture takes place where we who are alive and remain will be caught up together. Like there's a reuniting here and again the those in those in the that are dead in Christ can also be interpreted on um, they're already with Christ like they're not in the graves waiting they're already there they they get preeminent so they get priority because they're already there and then we come up to be gathered together and we we'll, thus we shall be always with the lord first Thessalonians uh 4 16, 17, and 18, comfort one another's with these words. So I think if we were able to get the drone out and watch this whole thing from up top, we're like, oh, boom, 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 bam. I get it. That's from the Lord. So so cool. So encouraging. So 303-690-3000 is the number to call us another time because we're going to be out of time here uh, in just a few moments. I was listening here on Grace FM. Uh, We had an invitation to come to services this weekend, and I want to repeat that invitation. We are open. We are in person. Uh, We are meeting Saturday nights at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.45 and 10.45. We're also online, and we're also a broadcast live on Grace FM and on our apps and anywhere we can send the signal, we're on. Uh, We are in person. We are following many of the CDC guidelines. Uh, We have uh, reasonable distancing. Yes, we are requiring that you... I wear a face covering. It's the least that we can do uh, to love our city and love each other. It is uncomfortable. <clears throat> it is a, a oppressive, if you will. It's un, I mean, all of that. I agree with you all, but we can do it, and we can get used to it. And 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 as we deal with positive cases and as we deal with family members that have lost loved ones, I know it's not many, but how many people need to be close to you that have lost a loved one for us to just care about compassion that i'll be able to look you in the eye uh, and say i did my best i know i couldn't mitigate every risk but we did everything we could to mitigate risk we clean after every service um, we start out with every other row depending on how many people come we have a dedicated space six feet distancing uh, if you want to watch on on the screens downstairs, you can be. We have our children's ministry open. We have guidelines there and deep cleaning, and so we're doing our best to mitigate the risk. But we got to be together, church. We got to be together, and and even if things are unfair, things are wrong. Jesus came into a culture that was wrong and unfair. He came to a culture uh, where there there were leaders of the government killing children um, because they were upset and mad, and Jesus just went about doing his business and ministering the gospel and loving people and healing people and hanging out with sinners and hanging out with people that needed him and and let us be the church that's our phrase for this year be the church let's just be the church let's not be known as angry uh, militant uh, vicious people trying to save something that's temporary but let us be known by our love for one another our care for one another looking to save souls and let us follow the clear teachings of Jesus when he says seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you I know the Lord will bless that and I know he is blessing that so come to church we want you here we will make room for you here calvaryco.church if you want to pick up a copy of God's help for the troubled heart calvaryco.store if you want to read up on grief and ministry edtaylor.org so all that's available to you so appreciate our relationship, the privilege of serving you and loving you and pointing you to Jesus. Together we'll grow in grace and God has great plans for us. So God bless you. We'll see you this weekend.
0: You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.